athletic competition. It can easily be broken down into two parts. The minutes or hours it takes to complete the event. Then weeks, months, and years of joy or heartbreak. Finally, the decades to analyze and debate it. From the press box to press row, Donald Ware will break it all down for you with an in-depth look at historically black college athletics, as well as the biggest news stories and newsmakers of the day. It's time to talk the talk with those who walk the walk. From the press box to press row, here's your host, Donald Ware. I think, I think, I think very deeply. In about four seconds, a teacher will begin to speak. I think very deeply. Training camps are open in the National Football League. Student athletes in college football are set and prepared to report to respective camps. I mean, what can be more, what can really be better than that? Football season right around the corner. Welcome to another edition of the program. I am your host, Donald Ware, as training camps open a lot of storylines. And I'm going to tell you one of the storylines that a lot of people are not talking about uh, that in terms of a team that I think is going to be really, really good, at least from an offensive perspective, that teams are, or that people are, are sleeping on. I should say more so that people uh, are really sleeping on. You look at Tyreek Hill and the possible impact that he's going to have on Miami. But what does that also mean for the Chiefs moving forward? We'll talk a little bit um, about that. You look uh, at Jacksonville and it, it just wasn't a lot positive to say with respect to the Jaguars last year. I think that all changed. A lot of that, you know, obviously uh, was just uh, just a bad situation for Trevor Lawrence, and he didn't have a particularly good year. Urban Meyer uh, was no help. I mean, I think, I mean, we can say, I, I think he just, I think it was just, it was just a situation, a rookie quarterback coming in. Not that any of the rookie quarterbacks did tremendously well. I mean, Mac Jones uh, was was consistent, was solid for the Patriots. Does he take a step forward? That's another storyline to kind of really look at the the OC and his OC. You know, Josh McDaniels is gone now. The head foot, the head coach of the Raiders. I mean, how does that look? But I mean, I think Jacksonville spent a lot of money. Not, I think they did spend a lot of money. Got some free agents, and, and I think the Jaguars are going to be a team that we need to talk about as well. We want to talk about this Kyler Murray contract, if you hadn't heard. So we talked about the contract last week, the $230.5 million uh, is is the totality of the contract. $160 million of those dollars are guaranteed. And then, you know, to get to that 230 and a half, you have to, there are some performances in the contract. And the main thing that came out uh, from, in terms of the performances, is that Kyler Murray, as stated in the contract, has to, has to spend four hours a week in film study. That was in the contract. What does that say about Kyler Murray? 
does it speak to uh, a, a bias against black quarterbacks in the National Football League? And we know that there's a tremendous bias there. There always has been. But does this particular instance speak to that? We'll touch on that on today's program. Also, what came out earlier in the week, Kevin Durant to the Celtics. That was what was reported earlier this week. And apparently, the Celtics turned down the offer. We'll talk more uh, about that as Well, also, Tony Dow, who played Wally in the TV sitcom Leave It to Beaver, passes away. Uh, Actually, it was reported that he had passed away Tuesday, but actually he he really passed away on Wednesday. Uh, Nonetheless, at the age of 77. And it got me to thinking, what were my favorite sitcoms or television programs. I'm, I'm going to go sitcom. Leave it to Beaver was a sitcom. I mean, it, you know, the landscape of television has really changed. I mean, I, I think if you look at the landscape of TV now, it's more about reality television than anything else. I mean, you still have some sitcoms. I mean, I you know, CBS has quite a few uh, sitcoms, but it's, but, but it's, it's mostly either reality television or dramas. And even When you look at the reality TV side of it, it's on the network side, it's on the cable side. You look at the drama, I mean, the drama programs. I mean, you can look at the, you know, a show like The Equalizer or Hawaii Five-0 or any of these shows that are more of the dramatic uh, type of shows. I mean, we talked a lot about... um, about All-American Homecoming. I mean, that's, that's a dramatic show. But we've gotten away from the sitcoms, the, the great sitcoms from back in the day. So I'm going to share with you my favorite sitcoms of all time. My favorite sitcoms uh, of all time. And I'd like to know uh, what you think, A, of my list. And then I want to get your thoughts uh, as well as your favorite sitcoms of all time. We're going to do all of that on today's program. Hit me up via Twitter at BoxToRow, B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. Thank you to those listening on our wonderful affiliates around the country. I mean, you talk about camps. I mean, you know, we've, you you know, the Steelers opened their camp. WGBN in Pittsburgh has been carrying the show uh, for many, many years. Uh, You look at uh, uh, Nashville opening its camp, our affiliate in Nashville on Radio Free Nashville. I mean, we have so many affiliates around the country. Uh, w Washington, uh, the Commanders, W H U R. We're gonna we're all, we're gonna shout out those affiliates over the next couple of weeks. But that uh, those are just three of our many affiliates uh, that uh, where there is a National Football League, and of course, uh, camps are open in the National Football League. So thank you to all of our great affiliates around the country that carry the program. Those that listen to us on Sirius XM, channels 141, 142, and 84. So I've got a list here of 11 sitcoms that I really enjoy uh, and either enjoy or have enjoyed uh, growing up. Mostly enjoyed, but a lot of them still come on. I'm not going to put them in any particular order, but I will say 
uh, I will leave my top two for last. So for me, in a lot of these shows, like I'll watch them even when they come on now, and most of them, uh, as a matter of fact, still do. And of course, we're talking about uh, the passing of Tony Dow, who played Wally Cleaver in the show uh, Leave It to Beaver. Leave It to Beaver definitely was on uh, was on my list. I think it was on for like six seasons or something like that. Um, it, it was just it was it. I just I enjoy it. it. As a matter of fact, it comes on on one. I have Direct TV, so it comes on like one of the one of the channels on Direct TV, like three in the morning. Um, but I, I mean, I enjoy it thoroughly. You watch, you know, uh, Beaver t- uh, Jerry Mathers who played Beaver. You watched him and 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 Wally grew up from. Uh, from from littler boys, if you will, up to, you know, bigger boys over that six-year uh, run. So, I mean, I absolutely loved um, Leave it to Beaver. Um, what's happening? And these are all sitcoms, right? Like, what's happening? Uh, it's one of my favorites. I, I mean, I still watch it uh, when it comes on. Um, I'm going to tell you one that I, that I really like that I, I don't know. Like, it, it probably isn't what you would call a sitcom or situational comedy per se, as we define the term today. But it was one of the shows from back in the day that, I mean, I don't know, you may could, could, could consider it a sitcom, The Three Stooges. Like, I love The Three Stooges, whether it was mostly Curly or Shimp. I could I, I like Curly probably mostly. That's when the show was, was really, really good. When Shimp came in, it was really, really good too. Like, I really, really enjoyed um, The Three Stooges as well. I'm going to tell you a show that I watch and in and, and, and a lot of these shows, my daughter will come and watch them. She's 14. She'll come and watch and been been coming to watch them uh, with me. My wife always says, oh, you watch older shows so much. You watch older shows all the time. I love older shows. My daughter will come and watch some of them with me as well. One of the favorites of mine and I think hers as well. She'll come and watch every time is Martin. When Martin was like, I didn't have a true appreciation for Martin when it was on at the time like from 92 to 97 I didn't have a true appreciation for it I watched it but not a true appreciation until later in life with the reruns I mean Martin was unbelievably funny ridiculous at times it made him so funny loved that show um the Cosby show loved the Cosby show uh phenomenal 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 program loved the Cosby show Andy Griffith, the Andy Griffith show. And that's another show she'll come and watch with me. It comes, it, it comes on like TV land daily. I mean, I'll sit back when I'm, when I'm, when I'm able to, you know, later in the afternoon and watch that when it comes on, I definitely watch the Andy Griffith show all in the family, Archie Bunker. Uh, and matter of fact, all in the family birthed, uh, um, uh, birthed the Jeffersons. Uh, right. So uh, and, and some other uh, sitcoms were spinoffs uh, of All in the Family. Really enjoyed All in the Family. I want to tell you a sitcom that I think is very underrated. It's very, very good. Good Times. Good Times was very, very powerful. Right. And a lot of these sitcoms I'm talking about had great writing. Right. Like you can look at Martin and tell how great Martin is because a lot of the writers on Martin were writers from the Jeffersons. Right. And even. In the Jeffersons later year, and by the way, CBS just pulled the plug on the Jeffersons. I think it was 85 to no fanfare, just pulled the plug. You know, that's a stain on CBS. No question about it. The Jeffersons were were pulled with no rhyme or reason or warning, just pulled it. But, you know, uh, uh, loved Martin, 
as I mentioned. Uh, the Jeffersons probably number two would be number two on my list. And then the top on my list, Sanford and Son. Watch it every week about when I'm home on Saturdays on TV One. You've got it locked to the program. I am your host, Donald Ware. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Come on back because we've got plenty more. I'm on my own against the wall. The pressure's building, but no, I will never fall. Instead of crying, they hear me roar. And now I see that I'm way better than before. I never needed you at all. Hey, everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> Hello, this is Janelle Monet. This is Omari Hardwick. Hey, this is Ronda Rousey. The girl rock camera scene of the mic, y'all. This is Simone Biles. You know what it is. This is the one and only... Hey y'all, it is the EST of WWE, the strongest, the fastest, the roughest, the toughest, the quickest, the greatest, the best on Box to Row. Tune in if you want to catch the best BEST interview ever. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to Row. Box to row. The Greater Raleigh Sports Alliance is proud to support the sixth annual Box to Row Countdown to Kickoff. We look forward to another fantastic season of HBCU football filled with great games, rivalries, pageantry, and unforgettable fall Saturdays. The Greater Raleigh Sports Alliance works with local partners to grow the sporting event industry in our area. The GRSA has an extensive track record of securing and hosting successful tournaments and championships, resulting in significant economic impact for the region and an enhanced quality of life for our residents. To learn more, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at RaleighNC Sports. Best of luck to all area HBCU football programs this season. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way, Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsboro. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's, Saltbox, Sam's Bottle Shop, and Bull McCabe's, and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. Has your heater or air conditioner busted? Appliance broken? Computer crashed? Then you need an ARW home warranty. Home system and appliance repairs and replacements can cause stress and cost you thousands of dollars per year. With an A-plus BBB rating and a top-rated home warranty company on Consumer Affairs and Trustpilot, ARW Home provides superior service, featuring the industry's lowest service call fee. ARW Home has warranty plans that cover your kitchen and laundry appliances, heating and air conditioning systems, electrical and plumbing systems, and much more. 
Call 800-941-2089 to customize your plan. Plus, ARW has partnered with Azurian to protect your new and used tablets, laptops, TVs, and other home tech from accidental damage and wear and tear. All plans come with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Call 800-941-2089 for your free quote. That's 800-941-2089. The others pretend you're listening to the show that brings you up close and personal. Up close and personal. With the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Here's the man to bring it to you, Donald Ware. Never had a clue of what his little girl would do. Welcome back to the show. You've had some time now to think about some of your favorite sitcoms of all time. Tony Dow, who played Wally Cleaver in... Leave it to Beaver passed away earlier this week or in the middle of the week, actually on Wednesday at the age of 77. And it got me to thinking some of my favorite sitcoms of all time. And I mentioned what's happening. Three Stooges, if you want to call that a situational comedy or a sitcom, maybe, you know, that was from back in the day. You're talking about the 30s, 40s, 50s. Uh, Leave it to Beaver, Martin, The Cosby Show. Uh, Andy Griffith, one of my favorite, the Andy Griffith show, one of my favorites, all in the family, Jefferson's Sanford and Son is my favorite. As a matter of fact, my top two Sanford and Son and good times in that, or excuse me, Sanford and Son and the Jefferson's in that order. And I think one of the more underrated shows of all time, good times, very powerful uh, program and all uh, you look at Martin, right? Like, I really like Martin, but you look at some of the writers uh, from Good Times, some of the writers from the Jeffersons also wrote for Martin. If you look at the Jeffersons, right? And the Jefferson Jeffersons lasted 10 years, as I mentioned before. I mean, no fanfare. CBS just cut the Jeffersons without any warning and just cut them, never issued an apology. You know, I, I don't know if they had since then, but never. I mean, that's one of your greatest shows of all time. And just to cut ties... And to cut the show like that, I mean, I just think is very, very disrespectful. But with that being said, I mean, you look at uh, the Jeffersons for all of those years. And even when, see, generally, like I look at Martin. To me, Martin started out a little bit slow, uh, a little bit slow, and then really kind of came on in its best years, probably year two, three, four, and even five. Uh, But even six and seven were good. You know, I look at a show uh, like Sanford and Son. Started out great. Started out like Gangbusters. The last three years, probably not as great. I thought All in the Family was pretty consistent. I liked it probably in its early years more than I liked it in its latter years. Of course, you had the spinoff with Archie Bunker's Place. Um, good, but you look at those. It's, a lot of it is the writing, especially again some of the writers from the Jeffersons also wrote for Martin. Right. And so if you have good writing, that's going to make for a good show. I look at good times and I mean, I think good times was just great throughout the course of its run. And a lot of those shows were much stronger. They would use language that we wouldn't use. It would be banned today. If you use the language today, it would people would be in some of the topics of conversation, but not even the topics 
of conversation, but some of the positions that were taken, like you couldn't have an Archie Bunker uh, today on television. You couldn't on regular TV, if you will. You couldn't have a Fred Sanford. You couldn't have a George Jefferson. That's what made these shows great. I mean, I even look at a show, I mean, I don't have it on my list, but um, uh, you look at, um, uh, shoot, the, the, the name of the show is Escape Me, but Al Bundy, uh, right? I mean, that was a really, really, really good show. Uh, a lot of it was because of the writing of the show, right? So, I mean, you look at a show, you know, like Married with Children, I couldn't think of the name of the show, Married with Children, phenomenal show, excellent writing. So I want to get your thoughts, your favorite uh, situation comedies or sitcoms of all time. Hit me up via Twitter at box to row B-O-X-T-O-R-O-W. I want to talk, I want to transition into Kyler Murray. And it came out earlier in the week that there's a clause. Of course, we talked about last week, the $230.5 million contract that Murray signed, $160 million of those dollars guaranteed. But it came out earlier this week. There's a clause in the contract um, that states that he has to complete at least four hours of independent study during game weeks. In other words, he has to look at game film independently for four hours per week, which, I mean, I, 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 when I heard that, I'm like, wait a minute, really? Is, is this, this is some kind of joke, right? This is, this is not serious, right? He did ultimately address it and talked about the work ethic. He kind of compared his time at Oklahoma playing both football and baseball, which he was really good at both. Remember, we talked about the fact last week that he had an opportunity to be drafted. I mean, well, he did get drafted in, in baseball, but ultimately chose football. He kind of compared it to that, but he never refuted he never refuted that this was in the contract. So for from where I sit, for him to address this, but to not refute it and to have signed this contract with that in it. I mean, why would you? I mean, there's a you know, you can look at it from a number of different perspectives in a number of different ways. Why would you sign a contract like this that has that kind of language in it? Okay, and be okay with that. Now, you could make the argument they're giving me the money that they're going to give me for just doing that. I mean, maybe I would sign the contract anyway, regardless of that. I mean, I think the issue is how did this get out? Like, was this leaked? I mean, did the Cardinals come out with this? Like, why? How did this get out? Because something like that, if you sign it, I mean, you don't want anything like that to get out. Because there's going to be so many questions around. I mean, a lot of the questions around, you know, his work ethic, his study ethic, I think his study habits. I think what came out uh, earlier this year, remember, he unfollowed the Cardinals. The Cardinals made some accusations that he 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 wasn't a great studier. He wasn't fully committed. Those kinds of things. And then you get into the race element of this in terms of him being a, a, a quarterback, a black man who's a quarterback um, and the things that come along with that. I mean, I would, I think, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't, I hadn't, I'd never heard of this before. Like, I don't know if this has ever happened with any quarterback, let alone a quarterback who was black. Uh, 
has this happened before? I haven't heard of anything like this. But I, I mean, initially, I mean, that didn't even enter my mind. It was more along the lines of the of Kyler Murray. And, you know, I don't want to get into questioning Kyler Murray and his work ethic because I don't know his work ethic. I don't know Kyler Murray like that to really speak about his work ethic. The Cardinals obviously have some concerns about the work ethic, which is why this clause was in the contract. But ultimately, Murray signed the contract. Why would he do that if he didn't think that, uh, I, I mean, it's hard for me to say that he thinks that this is an issue. Uh, again, the only thing I, the only thing I can think of, the reason I can think of is that, hey, you signed the contract so that you can, you know, if that's in the contract and maybe the Cardinals were not willing to bend from that because that $230.5 million, even though it's not all guaranteed, $160 million of those dollars are guaranteed. If this not only is a big issue in the contract in terms of the four hours per week, but maybe that clause in the contract is tied to a lot of the money so let's say he meets that and you're talking about those four hours a week that he has to study well I mean if 50 million of those dollars are tied to that well and and you know I mean you're probably I mean you're probably going to sign that contract and that's 50 million dollars you're looking at you didn't expect this to get out like this is I'm I'm surprised that this got out? Was it leaked by the Cardinals? How, in fact, did this get out? Um, from what I'm reading, it was initially reported by Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network uh, that this was in the contract, right? So, I mean, you're talking about something like this. And, it, and again, just brings all kinds of questions um, to my mind. So I think this is unfortunate that it even got out. I'm, I don't think that Murray thought that something like this would get out when he signed the contract. But again, it's a couple of different questions. Why do you sign the contract with this clause in it? And I would, I mean, the only, the thought that would immediately occur to me is the fact that, Hey, it's not going to get out. You know, it's a certain amount of money tied to this particular issue. So why not sign it? Nobody's ever going to find out about it anyway. I mean, I still got to go back now, and, that, and that's one thing. But, I, I mean, now, again, where does Lamar Jackson sit? We're still, you know, he's in camp. He doesn't have a contract. I mean, not that the Ravens have to give him a contract this year. He's still on the rookie deal. I think the issue, however, is that he's on the rookie deal, and this is the last year of the rookie deal. Now, of course, if you look at the Ravens, the Ravens have some options. They could franchise um, tag him if that's what they wanted to do for a couple of years. I mean, I don't think you want to do that. And by the way, Lamar Jackson doesn't have to sign the contract. I think, again, a starting point for this contract for me, if it's Lamar Jackson, I mean, I got to start at at least if Murray's getting, but again, I mean, it, you know, if, if Deshaun Watson is getting the 200 and what is it? 240 million. And that's all guaranteed. I mean, I, you know, the Ravens aren't going to do that. That's something that the Browns did independently. But, I mean, it's got to at least start at $230.5 million, probably guaranteed, and then kind of go from there. So I'm interested to see how that's going to play out. You know, Lamar Jackson's in camp. I mean, I think that shows the commitment by him. 
I think him not having an agent is a bit of an issue. Um, but that said, he's there. He's in camp. He's engaged. He's ready to rock and roll. But I ultimately want to see how the Lamar Jackson contract is going to play out as well. More National Football League talk on the other side. You're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. That is the voice of Steph Curry. Your progress from Davidson to now with Golden State. Where I've come from in high school into a small D1 college at Davidson. Uh, it's a great story and uh, I'm just having fun you know, living my dream and riding the ride. That, of course, the voice of Bianca Belair. EST is in the building. That's what Sasha Banks and I are going to do. We're going to... Uh, it's WrestleMania. We're going to create history. We're going to be the first two black females to have a title match at WrestleMania. I always say representation is it's not a request, it's a requirement. And I'm going to, to try to become SmackDown Miss Champion. But it's more than just creating a moment and becoming a champion. Just by us standing in the ring, we are representation for women and for black women. And so that's an amazing feeling to be able to be that, be that person and be on that platform and the greatest of them all. And, and be able to create history. It's just, it's an honor. That is the voice of Kevin Durant. I'm excited I get to play for them. They support us in everything we do. You know, it's a joy to, you know, go to work and, and know that you're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to cheer for you as loud as they can, no matter who you're playing. I'm talking about none other than Serena Williams. That was definitely one of the better matches I've ever played. I've had it just like that. You know, I was really focused, just really, you know, excited. Rob Manfred is the commissioner of Major League Baseball players that have been accused in their career of using performance-enhancing drugs, should they be in the Baseball Hall of Fame? I'm going to focus on one word in your question, okay? Accused. Players who have tested positive or there's otherwise been real solid proof that they were involved with performance-enhancing drugs, I think that Hall of Fame writers are entitled to make their own judgment about those players as to whether they think that performance-enhancing drugs or their use of performance-enhancing drugs should prevent them from being in the Hall of Fame. You cannot determine who used performance-enhancing drugs by the way a player looks. It's simply not possible. The one and only Michael Strahan. Always good to talk to you. Hopefully next time it won't be, what, 14 years. <laughs> you get to it. Man, you know what is good? You're encouraging people to be better and do better, and, and that's what I love, man. So thank you. I appreciate you. I'm talking about none other than Common. Well, I ended up in Sam just because I wanted to major in business. And Sam, you had the illustrious school of business. Then I found out that business was the key. That's what I wanted to do. NBA All-Star Chris Paul. That was great to bring it back to one Salem State University, uh, Black College. Something that my city had never seen before, may never see again, and just having a up close and personal feeling with LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Mellogs. It was exciting. I'm grateful for those guys coming out. He is Stephen A. Smith. Congratulations on all the things y'all have done. Congratulations. Keep up the hard work. Went to Salem State where I had an absolute ball. The only part that was bad uh, was the basketball because my first year there, I cracked my kneecap in half. If I had one thing that I could do over, it would be that I would be there 100% healthy so I could really showcase what I could do. But outside of that, there's absolutely nothing that I would have changed. It was the greatest years of my life. Simone Biles. I guess I just go in there with a positive, open mind of just doing what we do in training and going out there and doing the best that we can do and just have fun with it. I didn't really think of the outcome, but I knew that we had been training hard and we were we were just ready. Greatest football player to ever play, Jim Brown. Muhammad Ali was a principal person in the country at the time, and he stood up and said that he was not going to the service because it was against his religion. Mm -hmm. 
brought all the top black athletes together, along with Carl Stoke, the first black mayor of a major city. So I'm glad you brought that particular incident up. Snoop Dogg is on the mic. Pay attention. Oh, man, thank you for having me play in a real way. I mean, I'm so honored. Still, you football league has done so many wonders. We got over 200 kids that have graduated from high school. We have over 50 kids that have going to Division One. Kyrie Irving. Playing at Duke for Coach K. What was that like and how that prepared you for the league now? Playing 11 games, you know, a lot of people think that's not a you know, big package for you to become a better player, but for me it was. Playing for Coach K, he gave me the keys to, to the car and I was driving it in the first eight games and you know, being a part of something special like that and having a brotherhood built at an institution such as that one is an experience that you never forget. Ice Cube has been our guest. Hey man, thanks for letting me talk a little music, movies, and sports. Hey, my favorite three topics. Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Anthony Anderson, international movie star and funny mother. <laughs> and you're listening to From the Press Box to Press Row. From the Press Box to Press Row is the sports talk show that is the voice and the talk of HBCU sports with a flair for pro sports talk and entertainment. Check the show out online at www.boxtorow.com. That's From the Press Box to Press Row, real, relevant, radio. Thank you for making the show a part of your day. I am your host, Donald Ware. So many storylines in the National Football League, and we're going to touch on a couple of the storylines as we have so far today on the program. We talked about Kyler Murray and the so-called study clause that he has in his contract that is tied to his contract. Talked about Lamar Jackson and his contract. Uh, and so we got a lot to get to. I, you know, I, I want to talk about a couple of teams because, you know, we've got so many storylines in the National Football League. Like, I'm interested to see how the Miami Dolphins are going to look. Tyreek Hill leaves Kansas City, goes now to Miami with Tua Tunga-Vailoa. A lot has been made about, about his arm strength getting the ball down the field. I'll say this. I watched Miami last year, and... Miami won some games. Of course, you had the whole Brian Flores debacle at the end of the season. No longer the head coach. It's going to be, uh, you know, a different regime. We'll see how Tunga Vailoa progresses. But I, I watched him play a little bit last year. And, yes, a lot of his passes were dink and dunk. But I think he's going to have some, some opportunity to, to really open up and throw the ball down the field, especially with a Tyreek Hill. And even if... Tua Tungavailoa is not the guy you think has the greatest arm strength that can really get the ball down the field. You can use Tyreek Hill in so many ways. And it's just not just like Miami only has Tyreek Hill. There's other guys that are going to be uh, able to uh, to do some things. And, I, you know, having Teron Armstead at left tackle, of course, the former star at Arkansas Pine Bluff, one of not the best left tackle in football, moves over from the Saints to join Miami. I mean, I think that is absolutely big for Miami. I think this is a, a, a season where Miami can really uh, get some things done, can play well. I mean, I don't think it's a, it, it, I don't, it's not a playoff team. I don't think Miami's a team that's going to be able to make the playoff, the playoff just by sheer numbers. Okay. First of all, look at all you have to deal with in the AFC East. You've got to be able to deal Number one with the Buffalo Bills, reigning champs of the AFC East. You've got to be able to deal with the Patriots who have, who have, who have, who had been 
the champs and, and, and the Patriots may have an opportunity to make the playoffs. A lot of it's going to be depend on Mac Jones and what he's able to do uh, in year two. I don't think the Jets are going to be much of a factor, but that's just in the division. Then you have to deal with, let's just look at the AFC West in of itself. And I mean, you're going to have probably three teams as was the case last year that are going to come out of the AFC West. So you've got that to contend with. You've got the auto, you know, you've got, you know, the AFC North, um, obviously, and then the South, which gets an automatic uh, playoff berth, if you will. So I just think sheer numbers will not allow for Miami to make the playoffs this year. Tyreek Hill is going to add a dynamic to the Dolphins that is going to be much needed. Okay, it's it's. I don't think there's any doubt. Um, about that you have a uh, Jalen Waddle also that's going to be there um, as well you also have to ask the question in terms of Tyreek Hill and him now being with the Dolphins what does that mean for the Chiefs and I talked about this last year when he first signed the contract I think when to me when I watched the Chiefs, and I watched the Chiefs last year, when I watched the Chiefs, I mean, I think a lot, uh, uh, and, and, and you, we can sit here and talk about, well, Patrick Mahomes struggled. I mean, oh, because he, you know, threw a, more interceptions than maybe he had before, but he still threw, what, in excess of 30 touchdowns. The numbers were still there. Like, I wouldn't call it a struggle, okay? But I think there's so much dependency on a Tyreek Hill right there in Kansas City, that now that you take that away, they've added some other pieces. So obviously you still have Travis Kelsey there, the tight end, which is big, one of the best tight ends, if not the best tight end in the National Football League. You know, Miko Hardman is a guy that really I think can have a, a breakout season. You add Juju Smith-Schuster. You, you have a Marquez uh, Valdez-Scantlin to that mix. So now you had one big time player in Tyreek Hill, but you relied on that player a lot. Now you have, and I'm not trying to sit here and say that the receivers that I mentioned are in the class of Tyreek Hill. You look at that guy, he's a super deep threat. And again, you can use him in a dink and dunk situation uh, which I think Miami, uh, they will stretch the field a bit, but I think you're, they're also going to use them in a situation where they can exploit his his phenomenal speed, right? But now, if you're the Chiefs, you open it up to some other guys. Juju Smith-Schuster is a guy that um, can come in and and really get some things done for you. Miko Hardman was already there, was was a guy that, I mean, that can really play. There's no question about that. You you add Valdez Scantling to the mix. So if you're the Chiefs, right, you you have more of 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 an opportunity to distribute the football, uh, right, and not just one guy, okay? Plus, you still have the receivers I mentioned, and you have the tight end, Travis Kelsey. So I... I mean, I don't, I don't see this as being a detriment to the Chiefs. And by the way, the Chiefs were going to have an issue with signing 
Hill anyway, because if they had signed him, you already know they have the deal signed with uh, with Mahomes. So that's a lot. They, they weren't going to be able to sign Hill probably anyway. So why not sign a couple of other guys still uh, uh, allow for Miko Hartman now to kind of be able to break out and you still have Travis Kelsey there. So I think this is a, you know, I, I don't think the Chiefs are going to going to. Yeah, it, it is a loss. I'm not saying it's not a loss. But at the same time, I think the Chiefs are going to find a way. I think Eric Bieniemy, you know, as the offensive coordinator, is going to be very much more creative. Andy Reid. So I, I, I don't think it's as big a loss as some people think it is ultimately for the Chiefs. But I do also think that is it is a big get for the Miami Dolphins. You talk about adding a receiver, right? And you look at Tampa Bay and what Tampa Bay has coming in. Make the switch. The Buccaneers made the switch in head coaches. So now Todd Bowles is the head coach of the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers. But you look at this offense, right? You add a Julio Jones already to a Mike Evans, who's who who's back, to a Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin is hurt. He is hurt right now, uh, but at some point should be back. You you know you've got various receivers. I mean, there's no Gronk at least right now. He said he's retired. Uh, you know when the see. I mean, I th- I have to take him for his word, but you never know how things may progress as the season uh, progresses. But now you add uh, to that offense that's already really good, Leonard Fournette. Uh, you know, the offensive line is solid. And we know the defense is going to be a focal point, uh, particularly with Todd Bowles now as the head coach. Okay? But you add a Julio Jones. Now, what does Julio Jones bring to the table? So, if you look at Jones, he you know, made the transition from the Falcons and he's been, he had been hurt a little bit, but he played with the Titans last year and and, and he wasn't, I mean, it wasn't a great season, right? Um, With the Titans, you know, I mean, maybe some of that is, you know, because of Ryan Tannehill. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's no doubt that Jones is on the others. It's on more of the downside of his career Certainly, as he's had a you know he's had a prolific career, most notably with the Falcons, right? But you add a guy like that, like you don't need him. Okay, so if I look at his numbers, he had 48 targets last year, 31 receptions, 434 yards, 14. Uh, he averaged 14 yards per reception with just one touchdown. Obviously, those are not Julio Jones type of numbers, especially when you look at the numbers for his career. 879 receptions for 13,330 yards, 15.2 yards per reception with 61 touchdowns, receiving touchdowns on the season. So nowhere near what we know Julio Jones to be. But that said, you add a, a veteran guy, like even with Antonio Brown going back a couple of years ago, of course we know what happened with Antonio Brown last year. But let's go back a couple of years ago when you added an Antonio Brown to the mix and Tampa Bay was off to the races in terms of winning a Super Bowl where Antonio Brown was a contributor throughout the course of the season and in the Super Bowl, right? So you add a Julio Jones to that mix. Julio Jones, we know he's going to be super engaged. It's probably an end to be able to play with a Tom Brady. You know he's going to be energized 
behind that. I mean, I don't I I I like Ryan Tannehill actually, and I know he didn't have a great playoff game, and a lot of questions question marks surround Tannehill and being able to be uh you know a quarterback that can win and win in the playoffs. I get all of that, and those question marks are still there. Still, I think Ryan Tannehill's a solid quarterback. But now you're Julio Jones, and you're coming to play with arguably the greatest quarterback of all time, a winner, Tom Brady, with Julio Jones. I mean, it's it, it it's not quite adding Randy Moss to I, – I think Randy Moss still had a lot more left in the tank at the time that he came on with New England than Julio Jones has coming on with Tampa. And, and certainly Tom Brady was much younger then than he is now when he added, uh, of, of course, Randy Moss. That said, a lot still left in the tank, I think. Some still left in the tank with Julio Jones. You know, he's going to be a second-team guy. He's going to get a lot of reps playing with a Tom Brady because, remember, Julio Jones was more of a focal point of the Titans offense last year where he doesn't have to be as much of a focal point in the offense for the Buccaneers this year. We'll be back. The old renaissance is the new renaissance. Standing on tradition while embracing the spirit of distinction. This is the Harlem Brewing Company. Uniquely crafted beer brewed to deliver a taste, a sound, and a feeling that can only be described in one way. Harlem style. So come and take a trip on the A-Train with our Harlem Sugar Hill Golden Ale and our Harlem Renaissance Whitbeer, the neighborhood original. Sponsored by Harlem Beer Distributing North Carolina. Served in total wine all over North Carolina. Fresh Market in North Carolina and Virginia. Weaver Street Market in Raleigh, Durham, Carborough, and Hillsborough. You can also purchase in Durham at Zwelly's Saltbox Sam's Bottle Shop and Bull McCabe's and in Greensboro at Elm Street Lounge and Cooper's Ale House. On last week's From the Press Box to Press Row with Donald Ware. Lamar Jackson looking for a, you know, a higher per average guaranteed money. That's what you're going to be looking at. So if he's getting $230.5 million, I mean, you got to, I, I don't think you can even start, you can't even start having a conversation if you're not talking about 250 for Lamar Jackson and like 47, 48 million a year with something like 120 million. I mean, that's just, I'm just throwing that out there, but that would be my numbers. What I'm saying is Lamar Jackson's contract would have to be bigger than Kyler Murray's contract. From the press box to press row is one of the hottest sports talk shows in the country. Join Donald each week as he takes you on a journey through the world of HBCU sports and pro sports and interviews with top sports and entertainment figures. That's from the press box to press row each week on your favorite station. It's Donald Ware from the Press Box. In the last couple of segments, we've talked to National Football League. Let's transition as college football season is right around the corner. And the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, which we talk everything HBCU football. We talk to student athletes, coaches, and administrators, and others. It began on last Monday and can be listened to 
on our website at BoxToRow.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. You can also now watch the HBCU Football Daily Podcast on the Box to Row YouTube page. And we kick things off with South Carolina State head football coach Buddy Pugh joined us on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast. You know, it's interesting. I look at where the program is now. And you, even if you go back to the, the um, you know, the, uh, see, we had 21, even the 19th season, it was a, uh-huh. was a shared championship uh-huh. um, in, in the MEAC. But now you were you were set to retire, I think, either that year, the year before that. Yeah. So uh-huh. what, what, what changed in terms of, uh, of you coming back? And I, I know you, you're having the time of your life right now. You know what, dog? I don't know. Um, we talked about it, and uh, it was a circumstance where it didn't have the, the the right kind of feel for going home and uh, and just sitting on my fanny, you know, for the rest of my life that way. Um, we had, uh, 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 I guess, maybe a little bit of a of a uncertainty dealing with the virus and and not necessarily wanting to do a coaching search and and having a changeover doing you know, those uncertain times. So, you know, they felt like they were on pretty stable grounds. If I could keep them, if I could keep working, you know, they just felt like maybe let's see if we could go another year or two until we got through this thing. Uh, we got into it and it started to really turn to the, you know, to the good for, you know, the kinds of year that we had. So we just kind of said at that point, we just kind of said at that point, let's see if we can make it, keep it going. So I don't necessarily have a reason to go home. You know, I'm hoping to kind of you know, coach for at least another year. Um, but if it comes to a point where I start to feel like, you know, that I'm, I'm holding us back in any way, you know, I'll get out of it in a heartbeat. Was that something you felt going back those three or four years ago that you – did you feel like Not that? Not really. Um, you know, it was just that, if, you know, when you start getting to the point where you were, you know, age-wise, you start saying, you know what, you know, I might to be thinking about letting somebody else have it. But it, it was a situation where the university didn't feel quite comfortable at that point having a change. You know, this is a big football that South Carolina State is such an important item until they didn't necessarily want to take an opportunity, you know, to make a change, you know, at a time when there were so many other uncertain kinds of aspects of the program, you know, of the university as a whole going on. So, you know, the, the one really good thing that was going on at this point you know, it was something that they just felt like they wanted to kind of keep in place for a while. Buddy Pugh, of course, the head football coach of South Carolina State, joins us. Do you have, you know, concerns in terms of where the MEAC is, you know, right now in the future uh, of the MEAC? I do. Uh, I don't know exactly where we're headed, but now, Donald, there are so many leagues out there now that's kind of in turmoil. Uh, the uh, A-Sun and the Big South, you know, those leagues now, you know, have started to kind of work together to try to, you know, be able to have schedules. Uh, the uh, um, uh, Southern Conference seems to be about as strong as anybody over this way, but they seem to not necessarily need to add anybody up. So, you know, they don't seem to be able to help in a way where, you know, that can be of any real advantage to us. The one good thing about you know, where we stand, those of us that are here in the uh, in the MEAC still, is that we don't necessarily have a hard time finding teams that want to play us. So we might not necessarily have enough teams in our conference, but we've got enough teams right in our back doors that are really 
close by us that we can find games in a you know in a pretty regular manner that way. So we don't necessarily have to worry about a schedule, and we got good rivalries that still you know are available to us here you know right close by. So you know we still got ENT even though we don't necessarily feel like we're in the same league anymore. We still we close up to FAMU and Bethune. You know those guys are in great shape. And then the whole entire Southern Conference places. So we can play the Citadel. We can play Waffle. We can play Furman. You know, we got all those guys. We got the big South schools, Charleston Southern, you know, Gardner Webb, you know, all up right, right next. So I can take a trip to all of those places in one day. So the fact that there are enough schools here available to play us, you know, it makes it really a lot easier for us to have, you know, some flexibility to play all the different schools you know, here close by. I think it's I think it's really exciting for our fans to bring, you know, a Gardner Webb in here maybe once every so often, to bring Furman in here every so once so often. You know, some of that kind of stuff. So I think it works for us in a way that we can also play, you know, some of the guarantee games that we can, you know, kind of fit into our schedule. In a way in our schedule. Once upon a time we had so many conference games until the back part of your schedule was always blocked off. Well, now we've got some space back in there that we can fit a, you know, a big-time team that might want to play us, you know, that week before their rivalry game, and then we can make a big check that way sometimes. So it's a lot of different opportunities that become available to you when you got the flexibility of scheduling the way you do. If we can just kind of keep our league together enough where we are viable enough that we can go in and play well in the celebration bowl, you know, it's, we can play well in the challenge game that's coming forward. I'm rooting for Howard against Alabama State. You know, this come this coming, you know, uh 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 was that September, the first of September, yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah. This coming yeah. September. You know, that kind of stuff is the kind of stuff that makes us still, you know, viable in a way that people still respect us and know that we still play pretty good ball in this league. South Carolina State head football coach, Buddy Pugh, who joined us on the HBCU football daily podcast. Also joining us on the HBCU Football Daily Podcast, the latest podcast, as a matter of fact, Alabama A&M head football coach, Connell Mayner, and I asked him why Aquil Glass isn't currently his former quarterback, of course, at Alabama A&M. Why isn't he in somebody's camp? Well, uh, Donald, I, I definitely think he should, and uh, all of these opportunity, you know, uh, we're not saying he need to be the starter, but give him an opportunity to compete against these other guys. Uh, he, he, he put his numbers against his num- his numbers are better than those guys, you know. And uh, at the end of the day, um, even the good teams we played, he still put up numbers, you know. And you know, Tom Brady didn't start in Michigan, did he? True. He got he got opportunity. Right. Okay. He he wasn't a starter. This guy threw for ten thousand yards, and he's not even gonna get opportunity. So. It is what it is, and uh, we just keep our fingers crossed and hope somebody give him a shot and uh, give him an opportunity to prove that he can play at that at, at that level. Yeah, if anybody because right now, because right now, Donald, sorry to cut you off, but right now, I hate to say it, but HBCU wise, you know, you have to prove that you can play or you des- deserve to play in the league. And when you come from a Power Five, you have to prove that you can't play in the league. Mm. See, you get the opportunity to prove that you can't when you power five but when you hbcu smaller schools you have to prove that you can so that's kind of where we are right now and hopefully if anybody knows it'll be brad holmes the general manager uh, of the of the uh, lions who of course went and graduated play ball and graduated uh from a and t 
I appreciate the time. Last thought, the schedule. You open up uh, Thursday night at UAB, then the next week at Troy. Just kind of talk about uh, the schedule. You, the three of your first four games uh, are, are on the road. We got to play the money games. We got to play a money game and uh, HBCUs. And so we're playing UAB and Troy, um, you know, and we, what we want to do is we want to be competitive as long as we can and try to stay healthy and get out of those games without getting anybody hurt and uh, get on to our schedule. Of course, Austin P is a uh, uh, FCS regular playoff team. So we want to show uh, the FCS committee that uh, HBCO, HBCUs and SWAC teams can play with the teams that go to the playoffs every year. So that'd be a great opportunity for us and our conference to show uh, that we, we deserve an at-large bid if we have good enough teams. And I, then, of course, game four, we open up with FAMU. And so that's going to be a big one. First conference game on the road. It's hard to win at FAM Stadium. Uh, Coach Simmons doing a great job with those guys. And that's going to be a true, true, true test uh, right there the first game of the season. Last thought, now I say last thought, but I promise you this is. I mean, I'd be remiss for those that may not know. Uh, you played in the movie Any Given Sunday that starred Jamie Foxx. I always got to ask you about this. I think it's the coolest thing, you know, not only to have played his actual um, uh, extra or, you know, playing uh, stunt. Double. Double. Stunt, there you go. Uh, see, you know all the – see, you, you're a movie star. You know all the terms and all that, right? Um, but yeah. – yeah, but I mean, but to be able to, you know, converse and meet Al Pacino and, and Dennis Quaid and all of those, you know, great actors, man, that must have been an absolutely great time. It was. Uh, don't forget Jim Brown and Lawrence Taylor, uh, Ricky Waters, uh, Cameron Diaz, you know, uh, LL Cool J, uh, Bill Bellamy. All those guys was in there and all of them was down to earth. And it was just a great, great opportunity for me to meet those guys and and uh, just just break bread with those guys and have dialogue with those guys. Al Pacino would come out uh, probably once a week and his jacket, his sports jacket and slacks and grab a football and we'll stand 10 yards apart and we'll toss the ball for about five minutes. And uh, it, it was just great, man. It was it was really great. And uh, I was really blessed to be able to do it. And um, it's, a, it's a great lifetime memory. You got any 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 roles during the offseason coming up anytime soon? <laughs> No, no. <laughs> the old arm is old arm is retired. Well, no, wait a minute. That, weren't you weren't you doing some battle with somebody with like a quill and those guys in in oh, practice oh, more yeah. recently? I I still beat them, <laughs> still beat them every Well, the arm is okay then. Hey, hey, hey Donald, this is honest to God truth. Uh -huh. This is the truth. A quill glass was with me for four years, and we had a quarterback challenge every Friday for four years. A quill glass with Abdul Ibrahim as his wide receiver. Not every week, but a lot of weeks. A quill glass got one victory. <laughs> wow. Is that right? That's right. So maybe I need to go get a trial. <laughs> you need to get the trial that you should have gotten all those years yeah. ago with the Eagles, That's man. Right. If you didn't know, Connell Maynard won four AFL championships while during his time in the Arena Football League had that opportunity to play in that movie and it must have been a fantastic time. And I'd almost forgotten about that. I was watching a movie like, I don't know, four or five years ago. I was like, wait a minute, isn't that kind of Connell Maynard? And it came back to me that he had played in, the, in that uh, movie. So again, all of these podcasts can be found, our HB, I should say, our HBCU Football Daily Podcast and all the episodes of these podcasts 
can be found wherever you get your podcasts. And always remember to support those that support. Yo, Box to Row is produced by DW Communications. <laughs>